Part 4 of the Preface to The Phenomenology of Mind, Volume 1 by George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel, translated by James Black Bailey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 4 of the Preface There are the two aspects in the case of that ratiocinative procedure which marks its contrast from conceptual thinking and call for further notice. Raisonnement, in the first place, adopts a negative attitude towards it the content apprehended, knows how to refute it and reduce it to nothingness. To see what the content is not is merely a negative process. It is a dead halt, which does not of itself go beyond itself and proceed to a new content. It has to get hold of something else from somewhere or other in order to have once more a content. It is reflection upon and into the empty ego, the vanity of its own knowledge. Conceit of this kind brings out not only that this content is vain and empty, but also that to see this is itself fatuity too, for it is negation with no perception of the positive element within it, in that this reflection does not even have its own negativity as its content, it is not inside actual fact at all, but forever away outside it. On that content it imagines that, by asserting mere emptiness, it is going much farther than the insight that it embraces, and reveals a wealth of content. On the other hand, the cause of conceptual thinking, as was above indicated, the negative aspect falls within the content itself, and is the positive substance of that content, as well as being inherent character and moving principle, as by being the entirety of what these are. Looked at as a result, it is determinate specific negation, the negative which is the outcome of the process, and consequently is a positive content as well. In view of the fact that ratiocinative thinking has content, whether of images or thoughts or a mixture of both, there is another side to its process which makes conceptual comprehension difficult for it. The peculiar nature of this aspect is closely connected with the essential meaning of the idea above described, in fact expresses the idea in the way that this appears as the process of thinking apprehension. For just as ratiocinative thinking in its negative reference, which is what we've been describing, is nothing but the self to which the content returns, in the same way, on the other hand, in its positive cognitive process, the self is an ideally presented subject to which the content is related as an accident and predicate. This subject constitutes the basis to which the content is attached and on which the, con the process moves to and fro. Conceptual thinking goes on in quite a different way, since the concept or notion is the very self of the object, manifesting itself as the development of the object, it is not a quiescent subject, passively supporting accidents, it is a self-determining active concept which takes up its determination and makes them its own. In the course of this process, that inert passive subject really disappears, it enters into the different constituents and pervades the content. Instead of remaining in inert antithesis to determinateness, of content it constitutes in fact that very specificity i.e the content as differentiated along with the process of bringing this about thus the solid basis which ratiocination finds an inert subject is shaken to its foundations and the only object of this very movement of the subject the subject supplying the concrete filling to its own content ceases to be something transcending the content and cannot have further predicates or accidents Conversely again, the scattered diversity of the content is brought under the control of the self, and so bound together. The content is not a universal that can be detached from the subject and adapted to several indifferently. Consequently, the content is in truth no longer predicate of the subject. 
it is the very substance it is the inmost reality it is the very principle of what is being considered ideational thinking vorstellen since its nature consists in dealing with accidents or predicates and in exercising the right to transcend them because they are nothing more than predicates and accidents this way of thinking is checked in its course since that which has in the proposition the form of a predicate is itself the substance of the statement it is met by a counter-thrust as we may say starting from the subject as if this were a permanent base on which to proceed it discovers by the predicate being in reality the substance that the subject has passed into the predicate and has thereby ceased to be subject and since in this way what seems to be predicate has become the entire mass of the content the whole and complete thinking cannot wander and ramble about at will but is restrained and controlled by the weight of its content usually the subject is first set down as the fixed and objective self from this fixed position the necessary process pass on to the multiplicity of determinations or predicates here the knowing ego takes the place of the subject and is the function of knitting or combining the predicates one with another and is the subject of holding them all fast but since the former subject enters into the determinate constituents themselves and is their very life the subject in the second case viz the knowing subject finds that the former which it is supposed to be done with and which wants it wants to transcend in order to return it to itself is still there the predicate and instead of being able to be the determining agency in the process of resolving the predicate reflectively deciding whether this or that predicate should be attached to the former subject it has really to deal with the self of the content it is not allowed to be something on its own account for sich but it has to exist along with the content what has been said can be expressed in a formal manner by saying the nature of judgment of the proposition in general which involves the distinction of the subject and predicate is subverted and destroyed by the speculative judgment and the identical proposition which the former becomes by uniting subject and predicate implies the rejection and repudiation of the above relation between subject and predicate this conflict between the form of a proposition in general and the unity of the notion which destroys that form is similar to that which we find between metre and accent in the case of rhythm rhythm is the result of what hovers between and unites both so in the case of the speculative or philosophical judgment the identity of subject and predicate is not intended to destroy their distinction as expressed in propositional form their unity is to appear as a harmony of the elements the form of the judgment is the way the specific sense appears or is made manifest it is the accent which differentiates the content of the meaning that the predicate expresses the substance and the subject itself falls within the universal it is the unity wherein that accent dies away to explain what has been said by examples let us take the proposition god is being the predicate is being it has substantive significance and thus absorbs the meaning of the subject within it being is meant to be here not predicate but the essential nature thereby god seems to cease to be what he was when the proposition was put forward viz a fixed subject thinking i e ordinary reflection instead of getting any farther with the transition from subject to predicate in reality finds its activity checked through the loss of the subject and is thrown back on the thought of the subject because it misses the subject or again since the predicate has itself been pronounced to be a subject to be the being to be the essential reality which exhausts the nature of the subject thinking finds the subject directly present in the predicate too and now instead of having in the predicate gone to, unto itself and preserved the freedom characteristic of rationation it is absorbed in the content all the while or at any rate is required to be so 
Similarly, when it is said the real is the universal, the real qua subject passes away in its predicate. The universal is not only meant to have the significance of a predicate, as if the proposition stated that the real is universal, the universal is meant to express the essential nature of the real, thinking therefore loses that fixed objective basis which it had in the subject, just as much as in the predicate is thrown back on the subject, and therein returns not into itself but into the subject underlying the content. This unaccustomed restraint imposed upon thought is for the most part the cause of the complaints made regarding the unintelligibility of philosophical writings, when otherwise the individual has in him the requisite mental cultivation for understanding them. In what has been said we see the reasons for the definite objection often made against them, that a good deal has to be said repeatedly before it can be understood, an accusation which is meant to imply something objectionable in the extreme, and one which, if granted to be so sound, admits of no further reply. It is obvious from the above that what the state of the case is here, the philosophical proposition being a proposition, calls up the accepted view of the usual relation of subject and predicate, and suggests the idea of the customary procedure which takes place in knowledge. Its philosophical content destroys this way of proceeding, and the ordinary view taken of this process. The common view discovers that the statement is intended in another sense than is thinking of, and is correction of, its opinion, which compels knowledge to recur to the proposition and take it now in some other sense. There is difficulty which might well be avoided. It consists in mixing up the methods of procedure followed by speculation and ratiocination. When what is said of the subject has at one time the significance of the conceptual principle and at another time the meaning of its predicate or accidental quality, the one mode of thinking invalidates the other and only that philosophical exposition can manage to become plastic in a character which resolutely sets aside and has nothing to do with the ordinary way of relating to the parts of the proposition. As a matter of fact, non-speculative thinking has its rights too, which are justifiable, but which are disregarded in the speculative way of stating a proposition. Abolishing the form of the proposition must not take place merely in an immediate manner, merely through the bare content of the proposition. On the contrary, we must give explicit expression to this cancelling process, it must be not only that internal restraining and confining of the thought within its own substance, this turning of the conception back unto itself, to be expressly brought out and stated. This process, which consists what formerly had to be accomplished by proof, is the external dialectical movement of the proposition itself. This alone is the concrete speculative element, and the only explicit expression of this is a speculative system exposition. Qua proposition, the speculative aspect is merely the internal restriction of thought within its own substance where the return of the essential principle into itself is not yet brought out. Hence we often find philosophical expositions referring us to the inner intuition and thus dispensing with the systematic statement of the dialectical movement of the proposition which is what we wanted all the while. The proposition ought to express what the truth is in its essential nature the truth is subject being so it is merely the dialectical movement this self-producing course of activity, maintaining its advance by returning back into itself. The case of knowledge, in other spheres, this aspect of the articulated internal nature of the content, is constituted by proof. When dialectic, however, has been separated from pr proof, the idea of philosophical demonstration as a matter of fact vanishes altogether. On this point it may be mentioned that the dialectical process likewise consists of parts or elements which are propositions, the difficulty indicated seems therefore to return continually and seems to be a difficulty inherent in the nature of the case. This is like what happens in the ordinary case of proving anything. The grounds of it make use of themselves, 
need to be based on other grounds again and so on ad infinitum this manner of furnishing grounds and conditions however concerns that type of proof from which the dialectical movement is distinct and hence belongs to the process of external knowledge as to what this movement is its element the bare concept this furnishes a content which is through and through subject impliciter and per se this is to be found therefore no f sort of content standing in a relation as it were to an underlying subject and getting its significance by being attached to this as a predicate the proposition as it appears is a mere empty form apart from the sensuously apprehended or ideally presented vorgstellen self it is the main the mere name qua name which denotes the subject pure and simple the empty unit without any conceptual character for this reason it would be e g expedient to avoid the name god because this word is not in the primary use of conception as well but is the special name of an underlying subject its fixed resting place while on the other hand being or the one singleness subject etc themselves directly indicate conceptions furthermore if speculative truths are stated about that subject god even their content is devoid of the immanent notion because that content is merely present in the form of passive subject and owing to this speculative truths easily take on the character of mere edification from this side too the obstacle arising from the habit of putting the speculative predicate in the form of a proposition instead of taking it as an inherent essential conception is capable of being made greater or less by the mere way philosophical truths are put forward philosophical exposition faithfully following its insight into the nature of speculative truth must retain the dialectical form and must exclude everything which is not grasped conceptually and is a conception as in the case of the procedure of ratiocination the study of philosophy finds its obstruction by reasoning conceit that builds itself on well-established truths which the possessor considers he has no need to return upon and reconsider but rather takes to be fundamental and thinks he can propound as well as decide and pass sentence by mean thereof in this regard it is especially needful to make once again a serious business of philosophy in all spheres of science art skill and handicraft it is never doubted that in order to master them a considerable amount of trouble must be spent in learning and in being trained as regards philosophy on the contrary there still seems to be an assumption prevalent that though everyone with eyes and fingers is not on that account in a position to make shoes if he only gets leather and a last yet everybody understands how to philosophize straight away and pass judgment on philosophy simply because he possesses the criterion for doing so in his natural reason as if he did not in the same way possess the standard for shoemaking too on his own foot it seems as if the possession of philosophy lays just in the want of knowledge and study as if philosophy left off where the latter began it is commonly held to be a formal kind of knowledge devoid of all substantial content there is a general failure to perceive that in the case of any knowledge and any science what is taken for truth even as regards content can only deserve the name of truth when philosophy has had a hand in its production let the other sciences try as much as they like to get along by ratiocination of or raisonnement without philosophy they are unable to keep alive without it or to have any spiritual significance and truth in them as regards philosophy in its proper and genuine sense we find it put forward without any hesitation as an entirely sufficient equivalent for the long courses of mental discipline for that profound and fruitful process through which the human spirit attains knowledge the direct revelation of the divine and the healthy common sense of mankind untroubled and undisciplined by any other knowledge or by proper philosophical reflection these are held to be a good substitute for real philosophy much in the same way as chicory is lauded as a substitute for coffee 
it is not a very pleasing spectacle to observe uncultivated ignorance and barbarity of mind with neither grace nor taste without the capacity to concentrate its thoughts on an abstract proposition still less on a connected statement of such propositions confidently proclaiming itself to be intellectual freedom and toleration and even the inspiration of genius this last used once upon a time to be as everyone knows all the rage in the case of poetry as it is now in philosophy instead of poetry however the efforts of this form of inspiration when it had any sense at all resulted in the production of a jejune prose or if it got beyond that it produced raving nonsense in the same way here as in the case of philosophy philosophizing by the light of nature which thinks itself too good for conceptual thinking and because of the want of it takes itself to have direct intuitive ideas and poetical thoughts such philosophizing trades in arbitrary combinations of imagination merely disorganized through thinking fictitious creations that are neither fish nor flesh neither poetry nor philosophy on the other hand when instinctive philosophy follows the more secure course prescribed by healthy common sense it supplies at the very best a rhetorical melange of commonplace truths when it is charged with the triviality of what it offers it assures us in reply that the fullness and richness of its meaning lie deep down in the heart and others must feel this too since with such phrases as the heart's natural innocence or purity of conscience and so on it supposes and expresses things that are ultimate and final to which no one can take exception and about which nothing further can be required but the very problem in hand was just that the best must not be left hidden behind and away in secret but be brought out of the depths and set forth in the light of day it could quite well be from the start having spared itself the trouble from bring, of bringing forward the ultimate final truths of that sort they were long since to be found say in the catechism in popular proverbs etc it is an easy matter to take such truths in their indefinite and crooked inaccurate form and in many cases to point out that the mind convinced of them is conscious of the very opposite truths when it struggles to get itself out of the mental embarrassment thereby produced it will tumble into further confusion and possibly burst out with the assertion that in short and in fine the matter is settled the truth is so and so and everything else is mere sophistry a password used by plain common sense against cultivated and critical reason like the phrase visionary dreaming by which those ignorant of philosophy sum up its character once and for all since the man of common sense appeals to his feeling to an oracle within his breast he is ready to meet anyone who does not agree he has simply to explain that he has no more to say to anyone who does not find and feel the same as himself in other words he tramples the roots of humanity underfoot for the nature of humanity is to impel men to agree with one another and its very existence lies simply in the explicit realization of a community of conscious life what is anti-human the condition of mere animals consists in keeping within the sphere of feeling pure and simple and in being able to communicate only by way of feeling states when a man asks for a royal road to science no more convenient and comfortable a way can be mentioned to him than to put his trust in healthy common sense and in order besides to keep abreast of the times and advance with philosophy let him read reviews of philosophical works even go to the length of reading the prefaces and first paragraphs of the works themselves for the latter give general principles on which everything turns while the reviews besides the historical references provide over and above the critical judgment of the work goes farther than the work that is judged this common way a man can take in his dressing-gown but spiritual elation in the eternal the sacred and the infinite moves along the highway of truth in the robes of the high priest a road that from the first is itself immediate being in its innermost the inspiration of profound and original ideas and flashes of elevated thought 
all the same those depths do not yet reveal the wellspring of inner reality nor again do these sky rockets illuminate the empyrean true thoughts and scientific insights can only be won by the labour of the notion conceptions alone can produce universality in the knowing process the universality is critically developed and completely finished knowledge and is not the common indefiniteness and inadequacy of ordinary intelligence nor again is it that extraordinary kind of universality where the powers and potencies of reason are spoiled and ruined by the indolence and vanity of genius it is truth successfully arrived at in its own inherent native form and capable of being the property of every self-conscious reason since i have taken the self-development of conceptions or notions to be the medium wherein science really exists and since in those respects which i have drawn attention to as well as others current ideas about the nature of truth and the shape it assumes deviate from my view and indeed are quite opposed to my position it is not likely that this consideration will promise well for a favourable reception of an attempt to expound a system of science in this sense in the meantime i may call to mind that while e g the supreme merit of plato's philosophy has sometimes been held to consist in his myths which are scientifically valueless there have also been times spoken of even as times of mere sentimentality and emotion where the aristotelian philosophy has been respected on account of its speculative depth of insight and when the parmenides of plato perhaps the greatest literary product of ancient dialectic has been taken to be the positive expression of the divine life the unveiling and disclosing of its innermost truth i may reflect too that notwithstanding much cloudy obscurity which was the product of ecstasy this misunderstood ecstasy was in point of fact meant to be nothing else than the activity of pure notion furthermore that what is best in the philosophy of our time takes its value to lie in its scientific character and even though others take a different view it is only in virtue of its scientific character that recent philosophy really gets its worth acknowledged and accepted thus then i too may hope that this attempt to vindicate and claim science for a conceptual thought and systematically to develop and present science in its own peculiar medium will manage to make a way for itself by the inherent truth of the result accomplished we may rest assured that it is in this nature of truth to force its way to recognition when the time comes and that it only appears when its time has come and hence never appears too soon and never finds a public not ripe to receive it and further we may be sure that the individual thinker requires this result to take place in order to give him confidence in regard to what is no more yet than a matter for himself and singly and alone in order to find his assurance which is in the first instance merely belongs to a particular individual accepted as something universal in this connection however it is very often necessary to distinguish the public from those who take upon themselves to be its representatives and spokesmen the public takes up the attitude that in many respects quite different from the latter indeed even opposed to them whereas the public good-naturedly and generously will rather take the blame upon itself for when a philosophical work is not quite acceptable or intelligible to it these representatives on the contrary convinced of their own competence put all the blame on the authors the influence of the work on the public is more silent than the action of those representatives who are like the dead burying their dead when the general level of insight at the present time is in the main more highly cultivated its curiosity more quickened and alert and its judgment more swiftly made up and more pronounced so the feet of those who will carry you out are already at the door at the same time we have often to distinguish from all this the slower and more gradual effect which rectifies the direction of attention caught and compelled by imposing assurances corrects too contemptuous censure and after a little provides contemporary audience for one class while another 
after a temporary vogue finds no audience with posterity any longer for the rest at a time when the universal nature of spiritual life has become so very much emphasized and strengthened and the mere individual aspect has become as it should be correspondingly a matter of indifference when too that universal aspect holds by the entire range of its substance the full measure of the wealth it has built up and lays claim to it all the share of the total work of mind that falls to the activity of any particular individual can only be very small because this is so the individual must all the more forget himself as in fact the very nature of science implies and requires that he should and he must moreover become and do what he can but all the less must be demanded of him just as he must expect the less from himself and ask the less for himself end of part four of the preface recorded by morris and elsie bedfordshire